2: This is Bob Bergman broadcasting live from his office in beautiful West San Jose near the Westgate Shopping Center. I'm going to be covering a lot of stuff today, but first of all, I want to let you know that I do have one of my free Living Trust seminars that will be held at my office tomorrow morning starting at 9 o'clock and going till about 10.30 or a little bit after. You can visit my website at lawbob, com in order to click through the links for the seminar and register. You could also go straight to eventbrite.com and search for Living Trust Seminar, and you can find me there as well. So please, if you'd like to find out more about Living Trusts and what we use them for, what they avoid, and many of the problems that they can solve, please feel free to come to one of my free seminars. Like I said, I have one tomorrow morning at my office here in San Jose. Space is limited, so if you're interested in coming, I urge you to go and register right away so that you can make sure that you get a spot. I can't guarantee there'll be room if you show up without registering. If you'd like to give me a call today with any questions, or comments, The number is 800-516-1220. 1220, like the call numbers of KDOW. So that's 800-516-1220. You can also email me at radio at lawbob.com. That's L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. Now, I'm continuing in uh, a series of shows that I've been doing talking about actual estate planting problems that people are running into around here in the state of California. I have a number more of those to pass on to you today. And you may, as you're listening, you may hear your situation or something similar to it or someone that you know. Or you may hear something that has already happened to your family in the past. Please be aware that these are real situations I'm talking about and if you hear something that is fits a situation like yours, feel free to give me a call at 408-247-0444 or email me at radio at lawbob.com, and I'll see if I might be able to assist you. Now, here's a, a question that um, I'm sure is going to be coming up more and more and more going forward. In this case... There is a a family down in Southern California where their mother had a house in her trust, so presumably in a living trust. Mom has died, and now one of the children wants to get a loan to buy out the other children on the mother's house. But they want to be able to keep their Proposition 13 low tax rate, the assessed value for property taxes, intact here's the deal unless a trust does one of two things there is no way to buy out your brothers and sisters in order to keep mom's property without triggering a reassessment of the property taxes the first way is if the trustee of the trust after mom has died applies for a loan from the um from a lender in order to bring the money in sufficient to pay the other people who are not receiving the property to give them cash while the one who wants to buy it out, so to speak, receives the property in total. In a similar fashion, if there are sufficient assets in the trust outside of the house that are equivalent value to the house, then you can distribute those Value of assets to the siblings that don't want the property and give equivalent value to the sibling that wants the property. And as long as you have equal value going to everybody, you can preserve the parent to child exclusion from reassessment, which is what this person's asking about. The third way is to have a well drafted trust that gives what's called a right of first refusal to the. A uh, child that was interested in buying out the other ones, if you have a right of first refusal in favor of a child who's a beneficiary of the trust, they can, in effect, use their share of the property as a down payment, and then can obtain a loan directly in their own name and buy the property from the trust, triggering a parent-to-child transfer, which in turn will mean. No reassessment of the property taxes. But that is kind of an unusual thing to see. You're not going to see that very commonly in a trust. Now here is a situation out of uh, Northern California. Someone want to know if California law requires them to include their spouse in their will. Apparently this person and her spouse have been separated for 10 years and he doesn't even live In the state anymore. Now here's the deal. Um, They've been separated for 10 years. They've kept their assets separated all along and money that this person's accumulated has always been theirs alone. They have not divorced because this person would have lost health insurance if they got divorced. The short answer to the question is If you are married, even if separated but still married, you should always identify your spouse in your will. You can identify them and indicate that you are not leaving them anything. If in fact all of your property is your separate property, you don't really have a legal requirement that you leave anything to them. But at the same time, Um, this is something that definitely a lawyer should assist with. I have no doubt about that because you want to make sure that you follow the laws and you don't put your separated spouse in the situation of being able to come back and claim, Hey, I wasn't mentioned. I get a share of that separate property. Um, and then, then the person's, uh, children gets the rest of the property. Now, here we go. Um, This is a kind of a similar situation. In this case, husband inherited a house that wasn't livable. So the husband and the wife took out a loan so they could fix it up and live in it. The wife pays half the mortgage and half the taxes on the house. Husband hasn't done a trust yet, but has three adult children from a previous marriage. Question is, if the husband never does a trust and then dies, what happens to the wife who's been paying in on the mortgage and paying taxes all these years on the house. Um, Technically the, the house is an inherited property, it would be separate property under the law, but if they got a loan together and from early on the wife was paying half the mortgage, half the taxes, then the wife is at least entitled to a half community property interest in the growth in the value of the property from the time that the husband inherited it. But it may be that based on their actions, the wife could even assert that the entire property is community property if the husband dies. It's likely, though, that there's going to be a fight in the future. So the husband really needs to take care of that situation and make sure that the wife is not left in a fight with his adult children. Now, we're coming up on the first break of the show today, and I I just want to remind you again, I have a Living Trust Seminar tomorrow morning in my office in San Jose. You can go to lawbob.com, follow the links for the seminars, and that will take you to a place where you can register for the seminar. Uh, Please feel free also to email me at radio at lawbob.com if you have any questions. And you can also call me today at 800 516 1220 after the break i'll be continuing on with more situations throughout the state what i call the questions and comments so this is attorney bob bergman i'll talk to you after the
1: break this is plan your estate radio with san jose estate planning attorney bob bergman on AM 1220,
2: KDOW. Welcome back. Bob Bergman here for the second segment of our show today. Uh, before the break, I reminded you that I do have a Living Trust seminar tomorrow morning in my office. Visit lawbob.com for more information. Reservations are required. If you'd like to give me, give me a call, call 800 516 1220. Be happy to talk to you on the air. Continuing on with what I was going on before the break with situations from around the state, here's a quick one out of the San Diego area. Uh, Here it says, My mom has dementia and my brother, the trustee, refuses to share copies of new trust documents with other siblings. A letter was written requesting them, but their attorney said nothing would be provided until after mom's death. Well, that's absolutely correct. Uh, if someone has a revocable trust or an irrevocable trust and they're still alive, there is no right for any beneficiary or presumed beneficiary or future beneficiary of the trust to have a copy of that document while the creator of the trust is still alive. So that that kind of answers that question right there. It's only when the trust itself becomes irrevocable and now there are Actual beneficiaries of the trust, because of that, that's when they're entitled to a copy of the trust document here's out of um San Francisco area. <clears throat> excuse me um here we have Mom and Big Brother on the deed to a house. If Mom wants to create a trust for her children, can she establish it? She wants the house to be split up split up among all of her children equally without the consent of big brother well the the really what we're talking about there is that the mother can only create a trust for her interest in the property if she wants to make sure that everyone in effect ends up with an equal share then her trust needs to divide up her interest in such a way that it is equal between what appears to be four children but if mom owns the house with the uh with big brother and they own it equally there's no way for mom to really divide it equally between all four children without the older son uh transferring the property back to mom so she can put it in a trust and have it divided out equally after mom dies so that's going to be an interesting conversation around the dinner table. I'm not sure uh, if Big Brother's interested in giving up his interest in the property and maybe sharing some of it with his siblings, but that's pretty much what have to be done. Here's one real quick one. Mom passed. I was left executor with her will. The will is not notarized, but she does have two witnesses. Well, first of all, We don't really notarize wills here in California. They do in some states, like Florida comes to mind, for example. Two witnesses is considered the appropriate thing to do here in California. Then the person said, Can I proceed with her wishes as stated in her will, or do I have any legal obligation that I must involve an attorney? Well, unless mom had a very, very small estate with no real estate involved, and I mean under $150,000 in total value, then this person is going to be required to go through the probate process in the county where mom lived. And if someone has never handled a probate before, they probably should look to engaging the services of an attorney to assist them with that. Now here is maybe one of the more interesting ones I've seen in quite some time. In this case, um, dad had an insurance policy and became insolvent. So dad couldn't keep paying on the insurance policy. It had a half-million-dollar value. So to prevent the policy from lapsing, meaning being canceled because the premiums weren't being paid, basically three children got together and started each paying a third of the policy twice a year, For the past seven years to keep it going. Dad then died and left a trust which excluded the insurance. Dad made one daughter the sole beneficiary of the insurance policy, but apparently the children had agreed to distribute 25% of the policy to each child and then including 25% to the mother. Now, the sister who's the beneficiary has basically said, Hey, I'm going to give half to mom and the other half divided between the three of us. Now, the question is, uh, or the issue is, mom mom lives with this sister. So the sister's going to benefit by mom getting a larger portion than 25% by getting half. That's going to be a quarter million dollars. So the sister's told her siblings, hey, there's nothing that um, you can do and I can do whatever I want to because I'm the beneficiary. They want to know, is there anything they can do? And I would say, yes, there may very well be what's called a resulting trust here. There may also be a contract involved between the three siblings where they agreed it would be divided this way if we all contributed here. So legal action is probably going to be necessary against the sister. And I could think of, like I said, two theories that there is an actual contract to divide the proceeds in that way. Um or that there was a resulting trust because there was an agreement to do that, and it would be unfair for the sister to just unilaterally decide to not follow through with what all of them agreed to. Okay, let's see here. Let's see a good one. Oh, (laughs) this one. When I read this one, I started to laugh because I thought, this person is asking if there's a way to basically <clears throat> basically steal a property. Um person said, if I bought a piece of property, then recorded a trust transfer deed into the name of someone else's trust I found on public record, and then I named myself as trustee in the deed, could I restate the other person's trust and claim it as my own? So does giving property to a trust make you a settlor with power to restate? I know it sounds really, really bizarre. The person saying, hey, if I buy a property, record a deed, but I record it to somebody else's trust, then can I name myself as trustee of that other trust and claim that trust is my own? Absolutely not. Um, if you're not the creator or the trustee on that other trust, transferring property into the name of that trust just creates a problem for you because now you're going to have to correct that or someone's going to have to correct that later because that other trust is not really the owner of the property or you may have just made it the owner of the property and it's going to be a big mess that probably will have to be sorted out in the courts so I would not recommend it okay one last one here uh, maybe before we hit the break here it says uh, wife and I are joint tenants on a grant deed created a trust where the home is an asset in the trust my wife passed away prior to transferring title what would I do now to put the home in the trust where I would not have adverse tax consequences by doing this Well, there's a lot of moving parts in this question. First of all, if they're joint tenants and the wife died, the husband now has received her interest as a joint tenant, which means that he's only got half of the tax benefit that he could have had if they owned the property as community property or if they transferred it into the trust before she actually died. Um, Now, he could possibly go to court and ask the court to declare that the property was community property and intended to be, and then turn around and transfer it into the trust, and that might very well solve the problem for him. Well, we have a lot more show today. I just wanted to advise you one more time that I do have a seminar tomorrow morning in my office in San Jose. You can go to lawbob.com and register for that seminar. So um, pretty much that, is, um, that should be it for this segment. And I will talk with you when we come back for the third segment of the show. This is Attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you after the break.
1: Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome
2: back to the third segment of a show today. I want to continue on with questions and comments from around the great state of California. Uh, here is, uh, oh my goodness, here we have, we have two sisters who want to purchase a single family home together and they want to make sure that The property goes to the son of one of them. Well, one of them has no children. One of them has a son. But they want the son of one, the nephew of the other, to be the one to inherit this property in the future. And they want to know, what's the best way to take title? What should we do? Should we do tenants in common? Should we do joint tenancy? Should we do some kind of a trust? In this case, since they're purchasing the property together, and they want it to pass on to the child of one of them. They should probably each set up a, a trust for their respective halves of the property, and then make provision in that trust. Each trust make provision to leave the property to perhaps to each other, and then the trust on to the um, the son uh, or the nephew of the other one. Now, there's always a problem if they do this, if they each put their half interest into a separate trust. The potential problem there is that if the one who survives is the one without the son, that one could change everything and decide not to leave it to her nephew. So that's something to be aware of, that that could very easily happen. And that's not necessarily what they would want to do. So let's see here. Okay, here is a family where they said, hey, look, we put, our brother is the trustee of the trust, and we want to remove him because he's not handling the trust estate in the right way. Uh, For example, this person's a beneficiary on the parent's trust, and asked for a copy of the trust and the brother said no he's not keeping them informed well the the bottom line is if you have someone who is the beneficiary on a trust and they are put in charge of that trust uh, after someone has died they have an obligation to keep the beneficiaries informed and they have an obligation to provide the beneficiaries a copy of the trust They can't just kind of play uh, hide-and-seek with the trust. It doesn't really work that way. Um, So just something to keep in mind right there is that uh, people cannot just turn around and decide that they are going to um, do that without consequences. It's something to keep in mind. Now, moving on here. Let's look at some other ones we've got here. All right. Oh, here is someone who wanted to know, hey, what are my obligations if I agree to be the trustee of a trust in the state of Nevada when I'm a resident of California? So, well, the issue is really logistics more than anything else. It's very, very hard to handle a trust from another state. Uh, And so that would probably be the main thing that that someone would need to be concerned about. Okay, here we go. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> this is a good one. Here, my sister claims that the family trust was set up so that she didn't have to go to court and that she's inherited everything from mom and dad. And she's being nice enough to give us, I guess the other siblings, 10% of the house earnings after mom had told the rest of the family, she set up the trust for all of us, please help. What can be done? Well, I think right here, um, the sister needs to, first of all, provide copies of everything to prove that everything was left to her. And then there may be an issue of possible undue influence if, in fact, the parents now left everything to one child instead of to all the child that um and, and' rather all the children, which is what was really supposed to be intended oh okay here's a situation that comes up now and then. It actually came up in the situation of the the um, multi multimillionaire Howard Hughes when he died. This person said, "Look, I was included in a will." Um, now two more wills were filed. Uh, every now and then you have a situation where there's more than one will. The general rule is the last dated will that's a valid will is what will govern. Now, valid will means that it was executed with the proper formalities. A valid will also means that there are not irregularities or that the person actually was competent to do a will. If someone was mentally incompetent and they signed a more recent will, that will may be challenged and thrown out as being not valid. And then we'll step back to the will before that. So when we go back, we find the first valid will that's the latest signed in time. That's the one that would typically be followed. Okay, here, okay, here. These kinds of things really bother me. Um, Here's someone whose dad passed away a couple months ago, and he was on home hospice for about a week before he died. And this person caught dad's second wife and her daughter trying to get him to sign a trust. Dad didn't want to sign it. Last, and then this person received a notice that that a trust had been executed uh, and that came from the second wife's attorney and this person wants to contest it. Said she tried to get him to sign it a few months ago at the bank and he wouldn't do it then. Told me he didn't need one and set up his bank accounts with us as beneficiaries. So this person says she either forged it or had her re- attorney recorded saying my dad had intended to sign it. I think the most troubling thing in all this is that the the father apparently communicated multiple times, I don't want to do a trust, and then his second wife and her daughter were there basically in the week before he died trying to get him to sign a trust. That could very well be an indication of undue influence. It could be an indication that um, that there was... Some kind of funny business going on there, and might very well be, um, might very well be um, subject to being challenged as a result. Let's see here, what else we got here? Oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, just want to remind you again, I do have a seminar coming up, and, um, and it is tomorrow morning here at my office. You can go to lawbob.com to register. I do encourage everybody to register uh, for my seminar ahead of time because I cannot guarantee that there will, be, um, that there will actually be any uh, spaces available if you don't do that ahead of time. Now, here's someone said, um, I'm a one-sixth beneficiary to my aunt's estate. Um, Growing up, I've always known her to be well off. Months before passing, she said she'd recently inherited property from her father, for which she sold uh, for $4 million, and she was already worth a million. Then when I was told I was a beneficiary, I, I would receive vague updates stating that the accounting would be soon, blah, blah, blah. Um, In respect to my father, who was the one handling things, thinking the trustee is family and she wouldn't do anything to cheat me, well, received a form to sign before I received final disbursement of $7,500 without an accounting of the estate. So should this person sign a final disbursement if they haven't seen an accounting? I would say probably not. The fact that no accounting has ever been filed to me is suspicious in and of itself uh, i would think that an accounting should be filed it would be appropriate to be filed and that would be what i would per- likely advise this person is demand an accounting and if one's not forthcoming they may have to actually take legal action to go into court to actually provide for an accounting well after the break we're going to be heading into the last segment of the show today I'm going to cover a few more of these situations and then wrap it up. Again, my seminar tomorrow morning, Living Trust Seminar. Go to lawbob.com to register. You can also email me at radio at lawbob.com if you'd like a copy of my free California Consumer Guide to Wills, Living Trusts, and Estate Planning. So after the break, we'll come back and wrap up today's show. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you after the break.
1: now back to plan your estate radio with attorney Bob Bergman
2: hi welcome back for the fourth and final segment of our show today I want to tell you that uh, I've been enjoying doing this show for the last few months or so I know that there are people who've been listening there's some people who have contacted me I had people who came who listened to the show and were moved to register and come into my seminar the next day after the show, and they seem to enjoy it pretty well. I will say that passing on this information is actually, I think, an important part of being an attorney, um, and that is educating those of you out there in the public about estate planning issues and how they affect maybe your daily lives and how they affect your families. I've been doing this since 1980, and I can tell you that during that time, I've seen a lot of different family situations. Some of them seem fairly typical, some of them are very, very unusual. I've seen situations where I've now been practicing long enough that I've seen plans that I did years ago now being implemented years later when my client passes away and everything gets passed on to the family in the way that was expected. With uh, without problems, without issues, avoiding probate, all those kinds of things. I can say it is personally satisfying to me when I see a plan that I prepared maybe 15 or 20 years ago actually work the way it was intended later on. And I'm still around to see it, and I'm still around to help the, the family deal with the situation. I plan on being around for many, many more years. I have uh, young children. I've mentioned them before. I actually have a couple of daughters, and they're only 10 years old, so they're going into fifth grade, starting again in a couple of weeks, which means back to daddy, dropping them off in the morning and picking them after school on those days when I handle that. And then their mom picks them up the other days. We kind of switch off. So that um, I can get work done and she can get her work done at the same time, but it's very satisfying doing what I do and helping families. Um, my hope is that I'll be able to help many, many more families before I finally retire uh, or pass away, whichever occurs first i'm I'm kind of leaning towards passing away first because I don't particularly want to retire in the future I'd like to keep doing this as long as I can helping as many families as I can until either I'm forced out or they carry me out of my office feet first that's kind of my approach right now so getting back to questions and comments from around the state here's one I'm not quite sure how this could even be done but someone's saying hey what if my brother moves into mom's house and borrows money to pay the reverse mortgage where does that leave me there was no trust or will well i'm assuming from this that mom died and there is a reverse mortgage which means that mom had taken out a special type of loan that paid her a certain amount of money every month to cover her living expenses and things like that and now that mom has died The reverse mortgage has to be paid, has to be paid off. That's typically what happens with a reverse mortgage. It's now due. So now, if there's no trust or no will, there is nobody that has the legal authority to do anything with that property right now without going through the probate court. That's just a fact. You can't move in and just try and get a loan on the property if you're not on the title to the property, You can't get a loan unless you either own it or you're put in charge of the property because you're the successor trustee of a trust or you are the executor or administrator of someone's estate in the probate process. So this sibling that's going to move in, they're going to find out very, very quickly that there's not much of anything that they can do with mom's house because mom's name is still on the title. Now, here's one out of Fresno. Fresno. Mom died and left the house to six siblings. There is a trust. The trustee is one of the six siblings. The trust states that the siblings can live there. One sister lives in the house and signed a lease agreeing to pay rent. She's defaulted and is now three months behind. Can she be evicted? What are our options short of selling the house? Well, it's kind of an interesting situation. Um, I'm wondering why the sisters signed a lease agreeing to pay rent, unless it was maybe to to pay um, rent to the other siblings in order to stay in the house as opposed to renting the house out. Um, she's defaulted on the rent. If it says she has a right to live there, unless it says to live there she has to pay rent i don't think she can be evicted and the other ones if they just if they want to deal with it i think all they can really do is go to court and um and say that the house needs to be sold and divided up it sounds like the family is not getting along very well at all well this wraps up my show for today I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you heard some things that were interesting to you and maybe would help you or help your family. Please feel free to contact me at radio at Call me at 408-247-0444 or register for my seminar that's tomorrow morning by going to lawbob.com. Hope you enjoyed the show today and I look forward to many more shows in the future Until next time, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman saying goodbye and have a great weekend.
1: You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B-LawBob.com Or call his office in San Jose 408-247-0444 That's 408-247-0444 And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio.